A calm, beautiful podcast. We speak about the light, hold back truths to spare your feelings. We never rock the boat. No unfiltered opinions here. Ah, no. You're listening to Unfiltered. Unfiltered. If it's politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, and everything in between, we shoot you straight through the eyes with the truth. Streaming to six continents from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and West Hollywood, California. Sponsored by the Stutzman Group. We're real. We're raw. We are unfiltered. This is Bobby and Luke. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Saturday, January 16th, and Luke Unfiltered. This is episode number 20 already. Holy cow, what a journey it has been, and we're just getting started, baby. Lots of uh, exciting goings on around the country this week. Four days to inauguration, but we have some very special guests and need to give an update on a previous episode. So that's what we'll be getting into today. Joining us. Whoops, sorry. Go ahead, Bobby. Yeah, just, you know, episode 12, I was actually listening to it last there we night, go. you know, prepping, prepping for today and, you know, hearing it back and hearing, you know, the stories, there's a lot of similarities, right? Yeah. Between you, you know, you and, and, and Danny that was on that, you know, that, that pod and, you know, and what's interesting now is to see now 20 years later, you know, the progress that has been started, but yet from when we graduated in 96, you know, yep. until Sheldon kind of got involved and, and, and kind of got the ball rolling there in Seward, not a lot has changed. Yeah. That's what's really remarkable. I mean, Danny graduated four years after us. So he graduated in 2000. So, you know, not, not to say that I wasn't Well, yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised that not a whole lot was different between my experience and his experience um, versus, you know, listening to the update of what's going on 20 years later. I am heartened to know that there are more students that feel comfortable or comfortable enough to be out and to be their true selves or to be an outspoken uh, ally or supporter. But of course, disheartened to hear that really in terms of the way that it's 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 handled or viewed or supported by a wide swath of the faculty and especially the administration it's rather disheartening so i am excited to to hear you know it sounds like we've got some movement we've got some steps in the right direction and i'm excited to hear about it absolutely absolutely and then with the you know inauguration four days away what do you think we're going to, you know, see, right? So tomorrow may be, you know, there's a lot of chatter. FBI has given warnings. A lot of, you know, even Homeland Security media outlets are reporting 
that the mob that we saw, you know, on the 6th at the nation's capital, they've been directed and instructed and have organized to really hit up all 50 capitals across all 50 states, maybe starting tomorrow. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. At this point, you know, Washington, D.C., we were just talking about it. It's like one of the most fortified, if not the most fortified and protected uh, cities in the world. I think, Bobby, you just said that there are more National Guardsmen and women in D.C. right now than Iraq, Afghanistan, and Syria combined. Yeah. So I think Washington, D.C. and Knockwood, I'm not saying, I, I, th- I think Knockwood, Washington, D.C. Will, will be okay. My, my biggest concern is, yes, the 50 other state capitals around the country, especially those in the hot spots, uh, such as Michigan, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, uh, yeah, uh, Arizona. Um, I am, I, I, I am, I, I've got an uneasy feeling and all of the governors of these states have, you know, they have also activated their national guards and they are, um, you know, and their state police and whatnot, but especially, I don't know, something is speaking to me about Michigan. Maybe it, it's because they are, there already was a plot to kidnap yeah. And uh, do terrible things to their governor there. Um, I'm 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 not going to lie. I'm I'm worried about what the next few days, and quite honestly, the days following the immediately following the inauguration, are going to look and feel like. Because uh, to your point, there there is plenty of online chatter. And Bobby, we can get into it. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one. I heard on one of my one of my pods I listened to uh, that. Uh, I bet you can guess which one. Anyway, uh, they were t- <laughs> they were talking about the media silencing of these right wing groups and the you know the uh, the the shutdown of Parler and whatnot, and that only caused these groups to go even deeper into the dark nether corners of the web, uh, making it you know because basically the the. The infuriating thing about the what happened on the sixth in DC is that this was planned in open view. You right. know, the, the anybody in the public uh, sphere could have logged on to any of these pages on Facebook or Parler or whatnot and seen what was going on. That right. is not the the case this time around. Uh, so we really have to rely more heavily on our intelligence infrastructure. And does that hurt our preparedness for this? I th- I think it could definitely have that effect, right? So the public web, which is where everybody goes, is only a very small percentage of the total internet, right? You've got the right, dark web, right. which is where a lot of these groups will go and buy their guns and their explosives. And there's very specific ways to access that. And the fact that these groups, you know, now they are using some some other like texting apps instead of um parlor they're using signal and they're using other you know encryption based texting apps mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. deep diving into the dark web yes i think that may have been kind of the collateral damage to the positive effect of these media groups finally coming together and finally doing something 
about silencing the noise, but I don't think they were, I don't think they were ready for the, the level of darkness that, that these groups were willing to go. So it's in, it's, it's very hard to track on the dark web. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and you know, so we'll see what happens, but you know, the FBI has warned everybody. So, you know, a state governor or mayor or senator can't say, well, we didn't know you've been put on alert now for over a week that that's kind of the plan. And at first nobody knew exactly when they were going to hit these state capitals, but now there's been, the FBI came out yesterday and said that it's supposed to start tomorrow. Now, whether or not that happens, you know, at least be prepared and be ready. Correct. Correct. So that's kind of my thought. We'll see, you know, how deep these guys go into the dark web. And, you know, there's ways for FBI and CIA and those type of, you know, entities to to dig into that. Uh, but I sure right. as hell wouldn't want to be doing it. Uh, no, no. That is, <laughs> uh, I do not envy <clears throat> our, our law enforcement officials out there right now. And, and honestly, I don't envy... You know, you don't join the National Guard to have to defend your own country against its own citizenry. Right. That that is not that is not why somebody signs up for the National Guard. You know, you sign up for the National Guard because you want the opportunity to do something for your country, uh, perhaps serve overseas, help out, help your fellow citizen in the time of an emergency, a national disaster, etc. But I certainly don't think that anybody who's ever signed the paperwork to become a guardsman or woman has on the top or anywhere on their list, defend my state capital against citizenry insurrectionists. Right, right. It's a head-shaking time. Head-shaking time we're living in right now. Well, let's get into it. We'll bring Sheldon and Ella on um, on the other side. Let's do it. Zanny boss, what's our door? Brand new bag. College girls, give a nigga head in my raps. Rockstar life, so much money, I'll make you laugh. Hey, the bitch they hate, and you can't miss what you never had. Hey, hey, off the juice, clothing got me tripping. Cut the coop, walk up roof is missing. Ice, lemonade, my neck was tripping. Ice, lemonade, my neck was tripping. Why? Why, why you wanna waste my time? I can tell you really hate your life. Bitch, your watch the same as mine. All right, we got uh, Sheldon and Ella with us today from Seward, Nebraska. Sheldon, are you there? I am. Hello. Appreciate for you joining us this morning here. And Ella, are you here today? Perfect. Well, good morning to the both of you. Now, Sheldon, you were on with us just a few weeks back on our season one, episode 12. And now we're here in season two, and this is episode 20. So we thought it was a great time to kind of follow up with you and the progress you guys are making there in Seward uh, with the uh, LGBTQ at the uh, Seward High School. Sheldon, do we have you, buddy? 
Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't realize I was supposed to speak next. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Throwing it to you. Would you like to give us a little update as to, uh, I believe there was a school board meeting. Uh, and so where, where are, you know, where, where where are we? All right. So, um, yeah, like you said, there was a school board meeting. Uh, when was it? Last Monday. Um, so it was just kind of a run of the mill, nothing special in and of itself. We weren't on the agenda, so no discussion on the issue was made. We're hoping to get on it in February, but that aside, um, the most notable thing, I think, of that school board meeting was just how many students and community members turned out to speak on the issue and to just be there for the cause. Um, I think, Anella, you're probably better at counting than I am, we had maybe like 10-ish people there, I think. I'd say about right. came and just kind of sat and supported. And then a couple of those people also spoke about up about their issues and what they, they said what they wanted to say about how the school and their experiences being a member of or ally of the LGBTQ plus community. That's yeah. great. And, you know, Ella, why don't you share with us uh, why this movement is important for you, why you got involved, um, you know, what, what, what brought you uh, to this organization? Well, I've been privileged enough to grow up in a home where my parents always believed in being able to express yourself and being who you want to be and love you want to love. And uh, I went to school shortly especially in school i went to school and i saw a lot of people did not viewpoints as me but more than that there were mm -hmm. a lot of people who felt like they couldn't speak up or who weren't protected because they were a part of that community and mm -hmm. that was that was one of my biggest driving issues and another of the issues kind of hits close to home for me i have a sibling that will be in high school within the next couple of years. And my sibling came out and I want her to be in a safe space. I want her to be able to express herself and have the protection of not being bullied. And I think like a club and a change to the student handbook would really benefit her along with all of the other students within the school. Yeah, that's really, that's really fantastic. That's really fantastic. And, you know, <clears throat> this is how progress is made in America. Uh, often when, you know, those that, and I, you know, and I, I, I'd like to applaud you and, and your family and your parents for being opening and welcoming. Uh, it sounds like they, they are, you know, regardless, but oftentimes it's not until, uh, you know, your own family member, is identified as part of the community or identifies himself as part of the community that that awareness is achieved. And I mean, that is a journey that I've traveled, you know, with my parents uh, for, you know, since I came out and it was something that they never, it just never really occurred to them. And then, you know, becoming allies was, was a process. So it's, it's good to hear that your parents, it sounds like your parents were already there to begin with. Um, but uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's, 
it's heartfelt to know how many people are part of this movement that are allies. Because uh, that is a, that's just a, a, a fantastic, fantastic look at how the uh, the next generation in this new cohort is is coming along. So that's great. That's great. Sheldon ha has so, uh, or I guess Ella, you can speak to this also. Um, well, actually, you know what, Ella, you let me rephrase my question. Ella, how has the um, you know, uh, how, how has the response amongst the student body in general been towards the uh, effort to organize this group? Well, currently we're still trying to develop a actual club within the school. Right. And something that I want to really push for before we go ahead with the school board to prove that, that this club is full of people that need these changes to the student handbook. And where I'm at with that club, um, I have kind of taken over heading it. Um, we talked to some other groups within the school to see how they got their start. And so far we found a student sponsor and we're in the process of writing rules and guidelines to try and get this group started. And then with that we will go to the high school principal and the counselors and the vice principal and we'll kind of just discuss our plans for this group and kind of what it will entail. And then after that, we'll kind of get the group started and do all the poster making and that sort of fun stuff. <laughs> yes, the, 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 fun, the fun part of membership drive. I love it. I love it. I remember those <laughs> days. <laughs> uh, now, did you, did you say that you, have a, you do have a faculty sponsor signed on? We actually have two faculty members that uh, agreed to kind of be our supervisors. Okay. One big thing that we talked to another group about was what was really needed to create a group within it. And one of the biggest pieces of advice that they gave us was to really focus on student-led. Mm -hmm. that, that was that all of these groups need to be student-led. And the only reason you need a sponsor is basically to make sure that you aren't burning the school down. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. The, the sponsor is just there to... Uh, to, to uh, yes, be the, I guess the quote unquote adult in the room, but uh, organizations, um, you know, all organ all student organizations are best when they're student led, but especially, um, you know, my experience with uh, GSAs and, you know, Glesson in general is, you know, it's most impactful when it's student led because the students are best able to speak to the other students. So uh, that's fantastic. And Ella, I applaud you uh, and your, your other student leaders uh, for, for taking this on. It's just fantastic. Fantastic. So it sounds like we're we're moving in the right direction. So we weren't on the agenda, but uh, it sounds like uh, was there any response from the school board? It, you know, were they? I mean, were they pleased to see you all there? I, I, what was the experience of being at the meeting actually like? The board seemed. Um, I know when we walked in, one of them actually said that this is the most people they've ever had at a school board meeting. 
Um, like I know maybe some people listening, 10 people doesn't sound like a lot of people to beat a thing, but for, you know, small towns through Nebraska, you know, school board, it's really quite a turnout. <laughs> right. And then, Absolutely. Then they seem to appreciate that we were there speaking for a cause that we all believe in, especially the students who, you know, just are kicking ass at everything. But, um, yeah, just seem to, they seem, they seem to listen, which I appreciate. And then Sheldon, with getting on the agenda officially, hopefully you said in February, what is kind of the first step then? So they officially put this cause on the agenda. What's kind of, you know, discussion one that you want to achieve or some of the topics that you want to discuss or, you know, even Ella can chime in there as well. Well, um, I Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Ella. Okay. Um, I know one of the things uh, we're trying to add to the student handbook is adding sexual orientation and gender identity to kind of the list of things that you can't be bullied for and treat mm. because we have like I have a list of what like discrimination against uh, height, age, like status, that sort of stuff you can't be bullied for, but sexual orientation and gender identity are not on that list. Mm -hmm. So that's we're kind of really pushing for them to add to the list along with stuff like being able to use gender neutral bathrooms at our school and some other in detailed stuff that I'm sure Sheldon can explain to you guys, but those are kind of some of the big things that we are trying to change in the student handbook. So I, I, I want to ask Ella and not to, not to keep your feet in the fire, but if, you know, if, if I am in the administration and I say, well, I feel that our non-discrimination policy already sufficiently covers everyone, uh, what would you, what say you to that? As a student within the high school and has been a part of Seward Public Schools throughout my entire life. Mm -hmm. Definitively say for a fact that that is incorrect. The things that I've heard in the high school, the things that I have had, like heard at people talk about their experiences, those type of things that they still happen and they still don't, don't get penalized for. People still misgender people and there's no rule in the handbook that says that that is a punishable offense. Mm, got it. Nothing those kinds of people because it's not in the handbook. And so there's nothing that people can do about it, especially if teachers fall a certain way. They don't have to penalize people that they agree with because it isn't in the handbook. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I just, I, I did a quick search and I see here that it says for purposes of this policy, discrimination or harassment based on a person's race, color, national origin, sex, disability, religion, age, pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical condition or other protected status is prohibited. So um, I, I see here that it does not specifically, you know, and you can get into different rulings in, um, you know, our most recent ruling, our, our, uh, 
one of the right wing ju judges, Gorsuch, actually argued that the <clears throat> protection of uh, discrimination based on sex actually uh, protects those uh, that are gay, but it does not speak inherently to people who are transgendered uh, or pan um, yeah. So I, I definitely see <clears throat> see see what's happening here. But I also okay. So we know that discrimination. Let's use a really egregious example here. Discrimination on a person's color is is, is expressly, you know, uh, prohibited. It says here. And so, but when it comes down to it, you're in the halls and somebody, you know, makes a derogatory comment towards a person of color. It's, unfortunately, it falls on that person of color to bring that, to the attention of a faculty member or administrator, and that's how they get the process started of making a complaint. Uh, would you say that right now, if somebody, and not to speak in hypotheticals, this is a broad hypothetical, uh, have there been instances, so let's look, get out of the hypothetical and get into the real, have there been instances to your knowledge of people being discriminated or harassed based on their transgender stat status or you know sexual orientation, and then they bring that complaint to a faculty or staff member and do not get anywhere with it? I know for a fact there was a that was being uh, misgendered constantly by another all yeah. like it was happening on a regular daily basis and this student tried to bring it up to speak. I don't know for sure who they attempted to bring it up with. I think it might have been the vice principal, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, you don't need to go go into the specifics. That's fine. But but they did attempt to bring it to the attention of a member of the faculty, staff or administration. Yeah. They yeah. and they didn't do anything about it, to my knowledge. They mm -hmm. didn't pull the student aside. They didn't pull, they didn't try and change anything. And like, it just kept happening. And they had to keep going until it was the end of the semester and the time that the person got bullied, like, didn't exist because when it was happening it was ha happening between periods for mm -hmm, us. Mm -hmm. constant they passed each other in the hallway and they missed the other person but they just said hey it's the end of the semester so just write it out yeah 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 i can i can definitely speak to it's it's very at least in my experience it's very rarely in class it's it's typically those in between unstructured passing you know through the halls that's when uh these acts of aggression typically happen um and it's also interesting to note here when it, when it talks about um discrimination or harassment based on on sex so you know guys versus gals or whatnot uh you know it also includes it's it implicitly says this includes kidding or teasing or practical jokes or jokes about gender specific traits. So that 
right then and there seems to fit this. If if this is you know be, being misgendered, would I think fall very well under kidding or teasing or practical jokes about gender specific traits? But because it's not explicitly stated that way, I could see how you know there there's some legal room around that. So, um, and then um, if I could, sorry, yeah, get in, get get in here, but get in here, Sheldon. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Um, as far as like students coming forward with it all, I know that um, uh, you know, having been in high school recently and talking with a lot of folks, if something like that happens, they don't, they just don't feel too much mm -hmm. like the administration board, whoever they talk to, would act on it necessarily would bother to or they worry that there would be retaliation from other students make it even worse things like that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and i think that by the board and the administration including sexual orientation and gender identity explicitly in these policies they would mm -hmm. be coming out and saying you know undeniably this is wrong we don't condone this this is against our policies it mm -hmm. would embolden the victims of this harassment to be more open with them to report these things because then they are more certain that something will actually be done that it is actually a concern. Yeah, um, Ella, do, do I, I'm guessing there's not an official one, but maybe there is. Are there any faculty or staff members on staff that are considered a safe space? And what I, what I mean by that is through, um, the you know the through national organizations you're able to certify yourself as an educator or a counselor or a staff member as somebody who uh, is considered a safe space within the school and you can put your sign on the door or just be known to the student body as as this is a place where within you know, obviously within the legal ramification of the mandated uh, reporter laws, you are able to approach this teacher or the staff member and dis discuss, you know, basically whatever's on your mind and know that you, without fear of retribution, basically, that you can op speak openly with this person. And again, as long as it doesn't, uh, you know, run sideways of mandated reporting, that teacher, you know, is somebody that you can confide in and talk with and share your grievances with, even if you maybe don't necessarily want to make an official complaint it's somebody that you can talk to. Do you know if any person like that exists at, at school right now? Right now, not to my knowledge, there are any, I do not believe that there are any officially recognized teachers. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. There are some like non-officially rec officially recognized for example, there is a certain staff member that um, the staff member that is trying to like be uh, sorry, the staff member that is going to be one of our sponsors. I know that the staff member people go to confide with they. Okay. Or this staff member is very open and she will call out people who make about certain people. And there are some teachers like that, but they aren't officially recognized as those teachers. 
and you kind of just have to find them, especially if you're new to the school, like freshmen, like they yeah. know that about teachers. So I feel like we would kind of need teachers like that. So people know that this is somebody that they can talk to. Yeah. 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 It is an official. I'm, I'm, I'm on their homepage right now for it's a glsen.org, the gay lesbian school educational network. And there are official designations that adults working in schools uh, can seek out uh, to have that designation. But honestly, you know, my, uh, obviously back in my day, <laughs> way back in the, el the elder years, uh, you know, that was not a, even a thing, but I always had my go-to teachers that I could speak openly with and know that it was a safe space. But to your point, it took time to develop those relationships. And it certainly, I didn't come in the door as an incoming freshman um, to, uh, you know, it, it took time, you know, to develop those relationships. So uh, it's something, something else to, 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 to think about because a lot of times what we're dealing with also is not overt discrimination, but what I call or what is called passive discrimination. And this is the kind of discrimination that's very often, you know, it's just a comment made between students or, you know, just a, a, an offhand remark that a lot of times can happen in the classroom and students and teachers, you know, wanting to just get on with the, the lesson plan of the day or keep going or whatnot are, are often, you know, want to, you know, they, they don't stop and address the comment that's been made and it's just kind of left hanging out there. Uh, and those are the kind of things that it's so important to have that, that safe space, that person to be able to go and talk to and just say, hey, not to, I'm not talking about like creating a culture where you're going and like saying, oh, this teacher's not doing this or that or whatever. It's just a, hey, you know, this happened to me and I'd like to talk about it, you know? So it's, uh, you know, just something, sorry, I guess it's <laughs> making more of a comment than a statement, but it is good to know that there are teachers out there that are willing to be supportive. Uh, you just have to seek them out. Um, Sheldon, if I may, to swing it to the policy side, there, there are school districts in Nebraska that have been able to successfully make changes to their discrimination policies. Uh, can you speak a little bit to that? Um, I can. Um, so like you said, there are districts, generally these are ones kind of around Omaha, Lincoln, the larger cities that have been successful in adding um, sexual orientation and gender identity to their non-discrimination policies in line with various federal rulings and rules that have happened recently. They've also managed to, I don't want to say managed to, just they have stepped up to the plate and moved forward with a lot of their policies regarding transgender students. Basically, everything we're asking for, they've, these districts have done it successfully and it's had a positive effect on them. Um, Wonderful. So, has there yeah. been any effort to reach out to any of the organizers of those efforts or any of the, um, you know, do these, do these schools, was it just a change in the policy? Do they also have organizations at their school? Uh, any, anything along those lines where you might be able to get some additional support? Um, 
I know that Ella has been reaching out to the school, the student bodies themselves to talk with their GSA and pride groups. And then I've been meaning to reach out to some of their board members and stuff and such, Mm -hmm. sorry, to discuss the policy changes. Um, uh, I'm afraid I've just started class with uh, UNO this past week. So I've been kind of overwhelmed. Um, If you could see my hair right now, you could probably tell pretty easily. (laughs) (laughs) But that is, definitely a plan that we've been wanting to move towards to figure out their reasoning for it and hopefully apply some of their methods to um, bringing about this change to our own districts here. Great. Great. So just to kind of, um, you know, tie a bow on this. So let's, you know, Ella or um, Sheldon or both of you. So you you have the student, or excuse me, you know, interested faculty sponsors. You're starting to get uh, your your documentation, your your bylaws and whatnot. I'm sure together, and then you discuss it with the principal and the vice principal. Is that where the approval comes from? Is this something then you ultimately have to get the approval from the school board to start this group? Like, what does the journey look like? for the official, I mean, obviously policy change goes through the school board, but let's just talk about getting this uh, GSA. And for our listeners, again, GSA, Gay Straight Alliance. That's simply put uh, an organization where people who either identify as part of the LGBTQ plus community or just those who are supporters of them have uh, an organization together to act advocate for better protections for them for them and to also do the fun stuff that organizations do together in high school you know <laughs> um uh so the the road to official formation for gsa what does the rest of that journey look like so i really i had a meeting with the, the staff member who wanted to be a sponsor and mm-hmm. we talked to another sponsor from a different group and what was their process in creating that group and then from there uh we're following the same steps as them and for them for the other group they had to get a student sponsor they had to have a purpose they had to have a list of rules and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a b c and d and so currently right now and then they had to go to the principal the vice principal and ask if that this was okay and uh, that is currently where we're at we're trying to get we're still trying to get a b c and d all together so then we to the uh like to put it in action to be an actual school group so i'm hoping that we can just follow the same kind of footsteps that other school group did in order to form a new club but I really hope that's all we have to do but it's kind of unknown in the middle of small town Nebraska (laughs) gotcha gotcha well I I think that uh, everybody's heart seems to be in the right place here which is you've identified a need meaning that there is a community of students at Seward that feel that they are underrepresented and you are taking the steps to form an organization that can be a representation for those students and then those students would have a platform to address those concerns and make changes to policy through the school board so I applaud you for your efforts and I thank you so much 
for uh, for 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 taking this on, Ella. It's fantastic that you're a fantastic uh, advocate and that you're doing this for uh, your younger sibling, and that's just all great stuff. And again, Sheldon, as always, tip of the hat to you for also you know being a straight ally who identified an issue and identified a group of students that were being underserved and are helping them. Uh, it's all in the name of the student, and that's what he has to remember, is doing what's best for, for our students, um, you know, and, and, and making the world uh, uh, as accepting a place as possible for them. So thank you. So that said, you know what we do on this podcast is talk, uh, talk topics and talk uh, what's going on in this crazy world. Uh, Ella, Sheldon, are you willing to stick around with us for a little longer and talk some uh, some current affairs? Absolutely. If I leave, I have to do homework, so I'll be here as long as you want. <laughs> boy. All right. Well, I'm not gonna put. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna paint a pretty picture here. I'm just gonna get right down and dirty. Ella, what has life in COVID world been like? for a teen in America? It has, that's a loaded question. Um, yeah, <laughs> bang, 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 bang. <laughs> uh, School-wise, uh, currently Stewart High School attended in-person school. So we don't quite have the same experience as say other people in larger, more populated areas. I know some people are, online some people are online slash kind of going to school we're completely like in person still and so for me this like school hasn't changed however there have been changes to clubs i'm in which are sad like had to happen while they are sad totally understand them because they're safe but like marching band competitions have been canceled um, cross country season looked a little bit different. Like some clubs have had to change how they do things. Like that sort of stuff was all kind of a new experience. And for I am currently a junior. Currently, as a junior, it has been a little stressful because you you know you have another year left that has the possibility of being normal, but. It's also your junior year. You want to be the president of this club. You want to be this, that, and you want to be X, Y, Z. And you aren't able to do that because right. of COVID and such that's been going on. So it's actually, you know, interesting in, in my mind's eye. I'm, I'm actually happy to have you on the uh the pod today because you guys are in person, which means I am sure there are plenty of measures that the school has taken to try to keep you all safe while you're in the building. How has the reaction to those me those measures been? How uh, I know the, the city has a mask mandate uh, that was just recently extended. Uh, do you see any of the the objections or the the kind of uproar over you know masking and and whatnot does that spill into the halls of seward high at all there's been some i think the best word i can use to kind of describe it is just grumbling like okay. this mask is so stupid on like those just kind of snide remarks 
right? Mm-hmm. Has been a couple of instances that um, have really um, have really angered a lot of people. Say people were irresponsible and held some kind of meeting, and then two days later, positive. That those kind of situations where that entire group has to go into quarantine have not been good. And there's been a lot of grumbling about those kinds of situations. But sure. everyone doesn't like the mask mandate and they're kind of quiet about it because they mm-hmm. know that if they're too loud about it, then people will be like, no, you have to do this. It's required and that sort of stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I have, you know, obviously Bobby and I have friends who have teenage uh, sons and daughters in Seward High right now. And it's good to hear it from an actual student because I right. hear from them, oh, the kids are much better at it than the, their parents are. So, right, right. And, you know, but Luke, we're back to, you know, the actions, right? Kids mm-hmm. have their meetings, you know, they're not socially distanced, they don't have their masks on. Now they got a quarantine and then they bitch about it, but yet they knew ahead of time that that was the process, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we even look as adults to the NBA now, right? NBA had a a great three months in the bubble, not a single positive test, and now they're canceling games because the players themselves outside of the facilities are not following the process. So. You know, we can't, you know, we, you know, if we can't expect adults to do it that are making millions, obviously we're going to have opportunity with high school kids just wanting to be high school kids. But yet yeah, at the end of the absolutely. day, during a pandemic, actions determine what the consequences are going to be. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, it, it, actions determine the consequences. And that's also some of the things that I have heard from our friends with teenage children that, Hey, they get it that if, you know, if they get sick, if somebody gets sick there, there goes that season or that event or that, you know, X, Y, Z. So I think it's a much more tangible thing for our teens because they see things, you know, a lot of times once in a lifetime events uh, passing by. Uh, yeah. because people are, you know, are not following the rules. So, you know, that that's, I, I, I understand that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so like what, year, uh, I mean, there was yeah. what thousands, you know, thousands of kids missed their proms and, and, you know, but yet that wasn't enough. So we've got, you know, groups and it's just not Seward. Obviously it's everywhere that are doing in person. There's, you know, stuff getting canceled because of not following protocol. And, right. You know, so, you know, I think, you know, we just need a little bit more time to get, you know, obviously the vaccine we're going to be, uh, you know, discussing. That's been a cluster. And, you know, but, you know, I think, you know, as you know, if these kids can, you know, last a little bit longer, do what's necessary I think there's going to be more events they're going to be able to attend, stuff that's not going to get canceled, sports not going to get canceled, as long as they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, Ella, you said you're a junior this year, and I I, I, I don't know if, you, if you're, you're the kind of person that cares about this kind of thing or not, uh, but uh, 
Yeah, junior year. That means you can go to prom. So, you know, is there any like, you know, it's it's that time of year. Is is there any kind of planning or any kind of thought process towards if that's going to be able to happen later in the spring this year? Um, I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, there, to my knowledge, I think there's planning to have some form of prom. It might be. I don't know what the plans are for it. They just came out with a meeting that's supposed to meet this week about prom. It might be about prom themes or something. But as gotcha. right now, I think they're planning on having some form of a prom type event. But yeah. I yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, look, listeners out there, I, I hope you're not sitting there being like, can you believe this guy is asking them about prom? It's just, I mean, I just, I, not, <laughs> these are the kind of things that you look back on your own high school experience and think, okay, that was, you know, part of my high school experience that so much of, so many of us uh, and so many of, so many people for, 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 ever time immemorial have just taken for granted because it was always part of it, just like these sports right. seasons and other extracurricular activities. And then it's not there, you know, right. like, like I, I was a big, uh, you know, musical theater guy. I was in the musical every year while I was there at SHS. And, you know, it's easy for me to sit here at 40 years old uh, and, and be like, oh, I would have been fine if I missed the musical. No, I wouldn't have. I would have been a hot mess if I, right. I would have missed the musical, you know? Yep. So I get it. I, I get it. You know, it, it's 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 just, uh, yeah, I just hope people keep following the protocols, doing what they need to do so people can stay healthy so we can start getting these things back in, in place because they are. They are uh, an important part of the fabric of uh, growing up, really. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of growing up, uh, someone who, if you've ever listened to this show, you know, I think never did grow up is our outgoing president. Um, Ella, is there much of a... You know, I was always a little political beast, even back when I was in high school. It was just my, you know, my thing. I just loved it. And I usually scraped mostly with teachers and whatnot. But um, in the era of Trump, is this something that even is on the radar of today's high school students? Do you guys talk about all of this nonsense that's going on at all? Uh, what is the political climate amongst the student body? It's, uh, it, it's a little messy. Um, uh, there's a lot of teachers that will hear like side conversations about it that mm -hmm. were that tell it to just stop is mm -hmm. one big thing is there's a lot of, Hey, stop talking about that. Talk about that on time or listen up in class. There's no big like group discussions. Again, I haven't had a class like American government since last year. So I got it. Group and that like those debates would happen mainly in there. But around the school, it's mostly just side conversations. There's, of course, a couple of like super political kids that'll kind of get after it, say at lunch or something. But there's mm -hmm. no big group discussions just in the hallway or something like that. It's usually just conversations between a small group of people. Uh, you, don't, you don't see a bunch of uh, 
MAGA hats, Trump flag, a bunch of MAGA hats, uh, you know, around after school or anything like that. <laughs> and every once in a while, somebody will wear like a MAGA shirt. But oh, sure, <laughs> why not? <sighs> right. They don't really voice their opinion like extremely loud. They just wear it and then occasionally get into little side scuffles. <laughs> right. Best way to describe mm. that. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, I um I I what you know went to as a Oh gosh, that would have been the summer in between my junior and senior year. I actually attended presidential classroom uh, in Washington, D.C. Again, note what I said about being a political beast even when I was in high school. Um, so Washington, D.C. has always held a special place in my heart and has always been such a place of uh, sacred honor to me. You know, what were, what were your thoughts watching, you know, what happened uh, last Wednesday, the 6th? Uh, uh, to me, that will go down as one of those days in American history, like the day the, the Challenger uh, exploded. Uh, you may not know what I'm talking about on that one. Or 9-11, uh, <laughs> you know, these days where, you know, you head off to school or work and it starts off as what should be a normal day. And then all of a sudden, this terrible thing is happening. Can you talk to me a little bit about what it was like last Wednesday? and what your thoughts are on that entire event? Uh, in school, uh, again, it was happening throughout the school day. So right. we're constantly checking their phones. There, were, there, were a, there was a slight like increase of just uh, conversations that were happening either between people who think that storming the Capitol was a good idea Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we have those at Seward High School that thought that was a good idea? Uh, there was a person in my personal finance class who expressly came out and said what happened wasn't a riot and that it was just a peaceful protest. So yes, there are people uh, like that. Well, Luke, we need them on the pod so we can educate this, this young person. Yeah, more, 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 more appropriately, or not even uh, appropriately, probably where they got those thoughts from. Uh, we need to have their parents on the pod, right? Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, working in education for nearly fifteen years, I, you know, I, it, when you hear, heard a, a student talking about something, right. you pretty quickly knew where those thoughts were coming from. Yep. So yep. there's that um interesting interesting and you know what you know what ella and also bobby if you can jump in here also you know before the pod we were talking about that you know mark zuck mark zuckerberg and i understand facebook is not the uh the hippest or coolest social media platform that's where all of your parents are uh but you know, Mark Zuckerberg continues to profit off of the mayhem that he helped create. Uh, there's an article today in BuzzFeed talking about how there are advertisements on Facebook for paramilitary gear uh, right next to articles about uh, the insurrection and about the upcoming, uh, the possibility of upcoming violence. Uh, what the hell is going on? You know, what, 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 uh, 
Bobby, if you can better form this for me, what what the hell is happening here? You know, I said before we started recording, you know, Zuckerberg used to have a moral compass. And as soon as they went public and had to answer to shareholders, that compass went out the window. You know, if you remember after Charlottesville, uh, tiki torches were being posted all over Facebook, various stores, various feeds, various flyers. And, it, you know, it just seems like when an event like this happens and they're going to get a shit ton of FaceTime, right? Social media is all about FaceTime. That's all they care about. They don't care whose face it is, but they want it glued to their screen. Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg and that entire executive team will figure out a way, whether it's tracking Ella's cookies on her browser, on her phone, and just figure out everything they can about her and try to push as many products and services down her throat as possible just to profit because of the FaceTime. It doesn't even matter what the the issue is, right? If they know that they're going to have an increase in FaceTime, it's just it's 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 nonstop. It's in your face. It's ads to buy this, purchase that whether it's a SaaS service, a physical product that's going to get shipped to Ella or anybody, they just try to profit. And because you guys got to realize when it comes to Facebook, regardless of who they've purchased, Instagram, WhatsApp, they make 90, almost 99% of their revenue is all ad-based. They sell no other products or services. They may charge for business applications but at the end of the day all they give a shit about is ad revenue and without it google will continue to kick their ass so they've got to push it yeah yeah uh sheldon uh, ella any any thoughts on that any thoughts on uh you know corporate responsibility from these tech giants in the light of uh what is happening in america right now I mean, I think they need to step up. I mean, just crazy little conspiracies. Yeah, sure, that's one thing. But as far as having like a proper ethical and potentially even legal um, uh, need for action, the fact that they facilitated all of this plotting of sedition and terror against the United States government and its people, they need to... I know it's their business and they can't really do this, but they need to put their profits aside for a second and think how many people are going to die because we didn't do anything about this. Right, right. And 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 Luke, that's where Section 230 is going to come into play. So right. I'm, I'm praying and I'm wishing that the Biden administration makes this a priority to start reviewing that, the verbiage, um, you know, specifically about these tech companies. And, um, you know, because then they will be held accountable. So say, say I'm a company that's going to profit from the stuff that happened in, you know, Washington and I create this ad and I'm going to specifically target Seward high school students with this product. And it's some type of, you know, you know, whatever, some gun or, you know, something and then they, you know, say, say Ella buys it and she ends up hurting somebody. Well, then what happens is now Ella's going to come back to Facebook and then Facebook's going to come back to me. And, you know, right now Facebook's off the hook, although it's their mm. platform. 
They make it very easy to create ads and geo-target your ads. Um, the by the age, the you know, the sex, the location, and with 230 being overhauled. Now the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the Twitters, you know, spe you know, specifically those, will be held accountable for what's posted, what's said, and you know, like I said on my, on on our last podcast, any of those guys, and I would throw Apple in here, and I will throw Google in here, and Microsoft in here, you know, you you know, utilizing Office three sixty five or whatever the case, you know, they say, well, we can't we can't monitor everything. And that is not mm. the case, right? That is not the case. I've personally seen tests done where Sheldon, say Sheldon went off the ledge and joined these conspiracy groups, and he's got all this stuff planned, and he's going to post 60 things that is just complete bullshit. Well, with artificial and you know intelligence integrated, Sheldon could sit there and simply copy and paste. He could have Facebook browse, you know, windows open on his browser, have 60 tabs open and just go through and hit post, 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 post. Artificial intelligence is smart enough and fast enough that would be able to delete all those posts before they even hit the platform. So the technology is there. And I believe 230 is going to will require these tech, these, these tech companies to to start doing exactly that right it doesn't cost a lot of money you know facebook's not a very i mean it's a huge company but as far as employees it's like one account managers in charge of like five million users so they're not a big company so they utilize other technologies to monitor anyway now they just scale that solution and this is taken care of the groups the QAnon groups the you know whatever the case is it can be monitored and it can be taken care of. So, I mean, I think that's what we're going to get to with Section 230. But until then, it's kind of a free-for-all because, as you just said, Mark Zuckerberg wants to profit. Twitter wants to profit. And, you know, they can disable Trump's account all they want, but there's 500,000 QAnon, you know, accounts that are active, you know, boosting and pushing this shit. Right, right. So Ella, one more topic that I've got to ask while I have a representative of Generation X on the pod, um, or excuse me, not X, excuse me, Z, Z, right? Z. Gen Z? Yeah. Z, my bad, my bad. Generation <laughs> Z on the pod. Ah, gosh. Uh, that's my, yeah, anyway. Uh, as TK would say, I need a mulligan. All right. Yep. <laughs> so climate change my friend it is something that teens across the the world have taken up because you know this is this is coming at you uh, science now scientific reports now show that many of uh the really worst things that we thought would happen because of climate change will start happening not just within my life or not just within your lifetime but within my lifetime so when i'm uh, an old fart you know just you know waiting out my final days you'll be running the show uh and climate change will be squarely in your lap uh what 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 say you voice of gen z about what is going on and what we need to start doing as uh 
as you said, as a member of Gen Z, I, I, I really think that climate change is real, of course. That shouldn't be an opinion that somebody has to have. It is a real thing, and it is very detrimental to society. And I believe that somehow we can reverse or lessen climate change is I feel as a member of Gen Z that we should be taking steps as to, um, sorry, what's the word that I'm looking for, to and, and um, implement greener, more like healthful or energy resources, whether that be a new kind of uh, solar, whether that be a new kind of I feel like there are a lot of applications for that that can open a new way of energy that can really make the world a brighter, greener place. But it's big oil companies that are profiting off of these terrible fossil fuels and that are really driving climate change. And we as a generation need to push that those oil companies away. And that's going to be difficult. That's going to be extremely difficult because you go to the store and you see a certain product and you're like, oh, it's only $3. I'll just get it. Mm -hmm. Instead of buying the $10 option, which was made with renewable technology. And that scares people away because it is more expensive and they people like to get things cheap. But I feel with a new age of just people who are more conscious about the environment, we need to learn more about renewable energy sources, renewable, uh, what's the word? Uh, renewable resources, yeah. just to kind of be able to implement those into society and be able to change that those sort of things, that they aren't expensive, bougie, yada, yada, yada. They aren't this, they are the future. That is the only way that I and my peers are going to have a future is if we change to that sort of thing. Well, Luke, listen to Elle. I believe we're going to have to have her back on the pod in the future. Uh, I, I think so very much so, Ella. It has been absolutely fantastic speaking to you. And uh, again and again, I am so pleasantly surprised uh, by, well, at this point, I'm not even surprised. And, and whenever things get really hairy online or social media or anything like that, uh, I always say, look to the next generation because it seems like you guys are always doing something fantastic. You know, when, when you're not making really funny videos on TikTok, you're, you're, you know, you're changing the world. That was maybe a joke. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. That's an old man joke, Ella. So, you, you know, the oh. fact that you're not laughing, that's okay. Yeah, that was a dad joke 100%. And I got no kids. So <laughs> I'm all good. I'm all good. That's, uh, that, that. I guess, as I used to tell my students, that's a middle school teacher joke. So there oh, you go. There you go. <laughs> well, Ella and Sheldon, thank you so much for joining us today. Let's end on a high note. There's a lot of question and concern about exactly what President Joe Biden can accomplish in his first hundred days. 
because we've got an, a, a razor thin majority in the Senate and we have uh, a couple of senators, uh, Senator Manchin, uh, West Virginia, and Senator Cinema from Arizona, who are very moderate. Uh, that you know, we we need to make sure that we're focusing on things that uh, we can, you know, that uh, that that broad broad sections of the American electorate, be they Republican, Democrat, uh, or somewhere else, uh, agree upon. And so some of the things that we can accomplish in the first 100 days of a Biden administration using, using a tactic called budget reconciliation, which means it's included, these, th these things are included with other budget items that have to be passed in order for the government to continue to run, and they only require a simple majority in both ho houses to be passed. Are you ready? Because this is some really awesome stuff if we can get it done, including paid mandated paid parental and sick leave when having a child. So if you're having a child or if your child gets sick, your, your employer has to pay you. Universal pre-K for every three and four year old in America. Free community college. That's right, if you wanna go ahead and go to a community college, get those uh, requirements out of the way, Federal government can pay for that for you if we get this passed. Of course, in the light of COVID, number one, I should have started with this, excuse me, um, you know, improving the uh, $2,000 checks. And then, of course, getting that vital state and local aid out to boost vaccine distribution. Absolutely. And the list goes on and on, including forgiving the first $10,000 in student loans. Ella, I hope student loans are not, are not a thing anymore in two years when you go off to college. That, uh, you know, the predatory lenders are a thing of the past. Um, and then reducing Medicare eligibility to 60 to start uh, the progress towards universal Medicare. Uh, and to speak to our last point, up to $2 trillion in investment in clean energy and job retraining for the new green economy. So a lot can be accomplished. President Biden, soon to be President Biden, we're looking at you, my friend. We know we've got a impeachment trial that we have to get through and we'll discuss that coming up, but we got a lot to do for America in that first 100 days as well. So we look forward to seeing what the first 100 days of a Biden administration looks like. Again, thank you to Sheldon and Ella for being on the show today. A big thank you to the Stutzman Group for being our awesome sponsor. We'll see you in episode 21. You've been listening to Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. Politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, real and raw. Real and raw. Finally, a podcast with real talk and no bullshit. We hope you enjoyed the show, but if we pissed you off, that's okay too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Bobby and Luke. On Instagram at Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. And on LinkedIn at Unfiltered dash with dash Bobby dash and dash Luke.